episode 102 of Nothing to Say, the fans podcast, week two of the NFL season. It was funny because when we looked at the matchups between week one and week two, week one looked so much better on paper, but week two was just as good, if not better. So many games were decided by field goals. In our picks, we differed on three games. All three of those games came down to a field goal. Sam actually won, so that's two weeks. Sam won won all three? What was it? Yeah, interesting. That's okay. Because <laughs> I will let's, catch up. And let's just address ahead. it. Address it in the corners yeah. of our screen. We're both in yeah. the green. We're both in we the positive. The mm-hmm. And let's keep it going, man. Let's get closer and closer to that maybe 90% mark. So for those of you who, if you're just finding us for the first time, the percentages up in the uh, left and right corners are we pick the games every single week, and those are just the percentages of what games we've gotten right from week one to week two. So we're adding the percentages up through the entire season. So we're both in the green right now. So we what we're saying is we made you money if you're betting on the games. Maybe, so, maybe. Yeah, we're not betting on the uh, – we're not guessing the under-over line for stuff. I don't think – I don't think you and I know enough about that to really give advice on that. So. And this, this last week would have been – this last week would have been an awful week because so many were decided by the field goal marker and games mm-hmm. are set at a line where it's three and a half mostly. Three so half. that's yeah. such a tight margin to get right, especially this last week. So speaking of last week, we'll roll right into the scores of last week in case you may have missed a game or didn't catch the score. So we'll start with the Thursday night game. Washington beat the Giants 30-29 to in a ridiculous game <laughs> with some <laughs> ridiculous end just end of the game antics. It was it was a crazy game. Ryan Fitzpatrick is out. Taylor Heineke is in. Daniel Jones, is he going to be out? I don't know. There have been those talks as well. We'll see. Raiders, Steelers, early game. Raiders win 26 to 17. We'll get to that later. 49ers beat the Eagles 17 to 11. The Browns beat the Texans 31 to 21. It just came out recently. Breaking news. Tyrod Taylor is out as the starting quarterback. Davis Mills will be starting next week for the Texans. The Broncos beat the Jaguars and they're going to go three and zero this next week. They're going to play the Jets. So that's great. Um, Panthers. Panthers are two and zero. They really, really handled the Saints 26 to seven. We'll talk about that later as well. The Rams beat the Colts 27, 24. Carson Wentz. That's a lot of we got a lot to talk about him and the injury that he sustained. So the Bills beat the Dolphins 35 to 0. Speaking of injury to a tongue of Iloa might be out as well. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, the Patriots beat the Jets. Zach Wilson might as well have been injured because he did not have a good game. Four interceptions. Patriots win 25 to 6. Again, speaking of injury, Justin Fields comes in for the Chicago Bears, placing Andy Dalton on a run, which actually Andy Dalton, it was a good play from Andy Dalton. Just It was one of those non-contact injuries. As soon as he stepped with that right leg, you knew, at least I think it was his right leg. He just, you, you could see it in his face. He knew right away something was wrong. Bears beat the Bengals 20 to 17. Bucks beat the Falcons 40. 40- 8 to 25. Tom Brady's on pace to throw like 67 touchdowns this season, I think was the number. 
The Cardinals beat the Vikings 34 to 33, another thriller of a game. Same thing with the Seahawks and the Titans, another close game, 33 to 30. Titans over the Seahawks. Cowboys beat the Chargers 20 to 17. Chiefs and the Ravens. Lamar finally beats Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs 36 to 35. And the Packers beat the Lions 35 to 17. So lots of good games this week. Sam's got a bunch of questions that we're going to answer from week two of the NFL season and then uh, which we're going to spend probably a good chunk of the show on and then we'll move on to previewing uh, week three and we'll make our picks as well. So Sam, show is yours. So like we've, like we've talked about and as you guys just heard based off of the scores, there was a lot of close games this week. And Jason, do you think this was one of the best regular season weeks of the NFL we've had in recent memory? And why were there so many close games? You know, it's um, it's funny because I, re- you know, when you think of like memorable weeks in the NFL, it's hard to really, to really remember some of these some of the weeks from previous seasons. Um, but in terms of just the vague memory that you know, I think we all have of, of previous seasons. This was, I mean, I don't know if you could necessarily compare this to previous weeks but in terms of what you would want from a NFL week I mean this is I mean it's got to be as as good as you can get when you look at the Chiefs and the Ravens game how close that was the Cowboys and Chargers game was a field goal game so was the Titans and the Seahawks game the Vikings and the Cardinals game was also really good the Bears and the Bengals game that ended up being close Rams and Colts that was close as well the Hell, even the 49ers and Eagles game, as ugly as that was, still was kind of close. Uh, the Niners, Niners dominated. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Washington and the Giants, that was close as well. And I know the Raiders won by nine, but that was a close game all the way through as well. So, I mean, if you're a fan of the NFL, this is exactly what you want. I mean, the afternoon games were all – if you were watching Red Zone, they were – they had every single game in the afternoon displayed on, on the screen. And it was like, cause you just couldn't, you couldn't take your eyes off, off any of the games. So in terms of what you want as a fan of the NFL, this was, this was about as good as you could get. Yeah. We started with the Thursday night game with all that drama, two division rivals, Daniel Jones and sort of a, uh, in a controversial figure that he is. Some people like him, some people maybe feel like he should be playing. And he went out and played probably his best game as a pro, as a starter against a really good Washington team that has Taylor Heineke making his third start in the NFL. And he played really well, but that ending where (laughs) it should have gotten, you had the missed field goal. And I know this was on Thursday night, so everyone's seen it, but such a big moment for both these franchises where if the Giants could have got this win against the team that some people feel like should come away with this division. It's like, Oh my gosh, maybe Daniel Jones can do it and they can make the playoffs. But now it's like Washington escaped with a win against the giants. That's so huge for them because of getting that second chance from the offside call. That was the start of this week. And we somehow the game where Lamar and Patrick Mahomes play against each other lived up to the billion. How many times does that happen? where a game like that actually lives up, that doesn't happen. And that game was back and forth the whole time. You had both teams playing well. I don't think I've seen Baltimore's offense play that well in a big-time game ever, really. I think that might have been the best game that Lamar Jackson's had, and he threw two early interceptions. 
Yeah, well, and you know, the funny thing is, is that when you look at the Ravens teams that Lamar's had, and I heard this earlier in the week, and I, I, I mean, I heard this yesterday when I was at work listening to the radio. I hadn't even thought of this, but when you look at the Ravens and the teams that they've had, this is the worst team that they've had just because of all the injuries that they've had. Like in terms of every time they've gone up against the Chiefs, they've had a better roster than what they have right now. And the fact that he was able to pull this one out was was great it was that 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 was that it's as a as a fan of the Raiders it was one of those things where I wanted the Chiefs to lose so badly but then I also realized that the Ravens are also in the AFC and I don't think the Raiders are going to catch the Chiefs which means they're probably going to be playing maybe Baltimore for the wild card so actually in the long run it's probably better if the Ravens would have lost but I was really happy that the Chiefs lost. Well it, it also validates that Raiders win on Monday night to where the Ravens because I was I was one of the people that thought that the Ravens weren't going to be as good this year. And they totally just disproved that with that win against an almighty, like all-powerful Chiefs team. Uh, going back to that question, why do you think there's all these close games? Is it defenses are playing well? Is it offense? Is it defenses have been able to adjust to the offenses that we've seen? Like, what about? I mean, this is week two, so there's definitely still a filling out process between what teams really are. Like, where do you where do you think that this? the powers have aligned to where there's so many close games. I'm not sure. And I like, cause I think of, and everybody always like poo-poo's the preseason, but I wonder if there is something to having a shortened preseason, because I feel like maybe week one, like last week ends up being like, I mean, cause that's really, that's a preseason. That game. really technically should have. Yeah. They're really technically, um, would have been like the fourth preseason game in essence, because a lot of these teams don't actually, you know, I know the fourth preseason game is not the, the most important, but the only thing that I can think of really is that the teams are just still getting their legs underneath them from having a short preseason. There is something to be said. I mean, I know nobody really values the preseason, but it is important for getting ready for the season, especially some teams who take it really seriously. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't really care if the games are this good, then, then it doesn't really matter. Um, but I, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's something to be said about that shortened preseason. And then, you know, with the extended season now, maybe week one is really there. That was really everybody's first dress rehearsal. So then now this week was week one, quote unquote. Um, so that's really the only thing that I can think of. There was a lot of turnover on the quarterback side. Uh, I think we had the stat that like 15 teams were starting a new quarterback. So lots of teams are dealing with, with new faces. Um, there's been a lot of injuries this week, which has been really sad. Um, you never want to see anybody get injured. So I don't know. Those are, those are really the only things that I could, that I could think of. Yeah. Maybe it's just, just happenstance at this point. Yeah. Just coincidence. Uh, yeah. Moving on. We are in week two. So don't want to overreact. We really don't know what these teams are going to look like, what these players are going to look like. But three guys I think have already proven everybody wrong. And maybe you can even throw in your boy Derek Carr into this, but I think he's in a different conversation altogether. Yeah. Three guys that I think have been the biggest surprises this year, Tyrod Taylor, 
Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold. All three guys weren't expected to do anything. Two of them have their teams at 2-0. and And let's be honest, no one thought Houston was going to play this well, especially with how good their offense was, was playing under Tyrod Taylor. Of course, he just got injured. Um, so he's doubtful for this. We are, he's out for this week, which is, which is so sad for him. I mean, he just can't catch a break, but who have you most been pleasantly surprised by this year out of those three guys? Uh, well, I'll tell you right now, it wasn't Sam Darnold. I had a feeling I, I mentioned it on the show a few times. I thought he was going to play well, um, with Carolina, Carolina's biggest thing right now is they really improved their defense. Mm-hmm. Their defense has been really really good and I don't watch the Panthers enough to really go into a gigantic depth report about who they added and who they didn't but just based on the two games that I've seen from them they've got players on the defensive side of the ball that are making plays for them which is really nice and then on the offense I mean we all know Christian McCaffrey DJ Moore we have Robbie Anderson as well there are they've got weapons on the offensive side of the ball and Sam Darnold I think for anybody who went into the season saying Sam Darnold was a bad quarterback, I think you were giving him a bit of a bad rap um, just because he never really had anything or any chance to necessarily succeed in New York. He didn't, he didn't have this collection of weapons around. We didn't have this organization that seems to be moving in the right direction with their, with their team. So you really weren't giving Sam Darnold a fair shake. So And what you saw from him in New York was flashes of being able to be a really good quarterback. He was just surrounded by a bubble of like crap just surrounding him. So he hasn't really surprised me necessarily the most. Um, I think I would just have to say Tyrod just based on the team, you know, because the Texans were supposed to be horrible and, Mm -hmm. you know, they win last week and then they went toe to toe with the Browns. And honestly, they were in that game pretty much until Tyrod went down. I mean, he started the game 10 for 11, 125 yards and one touchdown. So he was playing really well. And then as far as uh, Teddy two gloves on the, Denver Broncos. Teddy two gloves. <laughs> on, uh, How does he on, throw with, with a glove I, on his throw? Bro, I don't as, get as, it. as somebody who played quarterback, I I have no idea. <laughs> Truthfully, I I I I couldn't do it. I I I just I had to feel the football. Just not being able to was just so weird. But Teddy, Teddy again. I mean, everywhere he's gone, he's pretty much played well i mean he's uh he's a good quarterback i'm not apart from apart from carolina i think he underperformed in carolina last year yeah yeah i i'm not saying he's the best quarterback of all time but denver wasn't all denver really needs is a quarterback that doesn't lose them games because denver Mm -hmm. has a they have a good really good defense and a good collection of weapons so they just need a quarterback they really need and i don't like the term but a game manager kind of and teddy ridwater can do that but I feel like he's playing above it because that's what you would think that he is. And that's what he's yeah. shown to be. But I think he is by far the catalyst in how well their offense in Granted, oh, they've sure. beaten, they've beaten the giants and they beat, um, who they just Jacksonville. Yeah. Right. So the, the level of difficulty really isn't there, but I feel like I didn't expect much from Teddy Bridgewater, especially in this offense. You have Cortland Sutton coming off of a season ending injury. We didn't really know what he was going to look like. You have washed, like washed up guys in Melvin Gordon. They got rid of Philip Lindsay. Um, they have Jerry Judy who underperformed last year, but he's really getting the best out of all of these guys. And it really starts with him, like his efficiency and how he is 
I think playing the best ball that he's played in his career yeah. back to his Minnesota days when he was a pro bowler. Yeah. And maybe I should have clarified all they really, what I'm trying to say is all they, all Denver really needed was a game manager and Teddy Bridgewater is elevating yeah. is be is being more than a game manager, which I guess really is um, kind of a, a, a surprise. But for me, I would say Tyrod just because of the circumstances surrounding him. So even I, with that, like Deshaun Watson filed over the organization too. And he has handled that so well. Like it's it's it almost has, like he's put that on the back burner and it's all about this team. Like this team, Houston has surprised me so much the way they just dominated Jacksonville and they played Cleveland really well. They did. And up they until had, they got injured, they were in the game. No business playing that well against a really good team. Uh, this team, they just uh, they just came together really quickly, and it was really nice to see. Um, I think that's the best story. I think Sam Darnold, I think, has changed the most with a change of scenery. I did not see – he was a turnover machine, totally inefficient with the ball in New York, and now he is a guy that he's completing close to, like, 70% completion and a guy that's not really turning the ball over a lot he's yeah he has a lot of weapons in Carolina but that Carolina offensive line I don't even think is was held as such a great stable unit but he's really making the most out of the tools that he's had and been able to I mean that win against New Orleans a big time New Orleans team that embarrassed Aaron Rodgers and they were able to really get the, and yes, it's a different week, but they were able to dominate that game from start to finish. I think that's a big sign for Sam Darnold for things to come. I think now from that, we go into these teams are two and oh, it's only week two. There's a bunch of stuff is going to change. Taking into account Denver and Carolina who are these 2-0 and o teams that you're most convinced are for real? Okay, so we got to go down the list of the teams that are 2-0. and o. So we have uh, the Raiders are 2-0, and o, the 49ers are 2-0. and o. Um, Arizona. Arizona is 2-0. and o. The Panthers are 2-0. and o. Denver. Um, Rams, yep, Denver. Um, keep it going. The Bucks are 2-0. and o. That's not surprising in the slightest. <laughs> Um, Titans, Seahawks, no, they're one and one. Chiefs, Ravens, they're both one and one. Packers, Lions, Chargers, Cow. I think we got everybody, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think we got everybody. So, so it was Raiders, Niners, Panthers, Rams, uh, Cardinals, Bucks. I think those mm-hmm. are the two more teams. So, well, okay, so truthfully, truthfully. These guys have, I'm really surprised, have managed to be 2-0, especially with the two teams that they played. I'll get yeah. to them in a second because um, I'll spend I'll spend like a minute or two on them. The, I, guess the te- I guess the team that I di- was not expecting to be necessarily in a position to be 2-0 was Carolina. Now, looking at the teams that they played, I think I would – I mean, I we both picked them um, last week. I don't think anybody picked them to be no, the I Saints. Picked, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, You're talking about week one. Yeah. So Carolina being 2-0 is a bit of a surprise. I'm really not surprised that Denver's 2-0. They haven't played great teams, and Teddy's a good quarterback. They're a good team, so that doesn't really surprise me. 
I guess I wouldn't have expected the Cardinals to be two and zero coming out of coming out of these two weeks. The NFC West is just really good. I don't think I wouldn't have picked the 49ers and the Cardinals. Um, uh, well, I guess the Rams are too as well. I guess I would have swapped Seattle. I said I would have thought that Seattle was going to be the 2-0 team and the Cardinals weren't going to be 2-0 because I thought they were going to lose against Tennessee. And Tennessee mm-hmm. not being 2-0 is they, – they're looking a little bit off. Um, uh, they looked good. They looked good against Seattle, man. They did. Well, I know, but I'm just saying it's I, – I don't know who they are yet. Yeah. Um, and really, I'm just dancing around the question until I get circled back to the Raiders. Because truthfully, truthfully, if you would have told me that they were going to play the Ravens on Monday night and then and then the Steelers, and they were going to win both of those games, I would have said there's no way. I, I wouldn't have picked them at the beginning of the season to win both of those games. And it was really nice to, to listen to people talk about them yesterday. And somebody had brought up, and I, I had never thought of but this is a really interesting way to look at this. So follow me down this follow me down this rabbit hole for a sec. If you were looking at the two and O teams that are in the league right now, and you were grading them, grading their wins like the same way that you would grade college football wins, mm-hmm. they might be up there at the top. And the reason Definitely. why is yeah, because when you take into account the fact that they had a, the late game on Monday night that went into overtime, they're on a short week. They fly all the way to Pittsburgh for an East Coast game that's early in Pittsburgh in a place that's really hard to play in, again, against a defense who everybody thinks is really good. Mm-hmm. And they win that game as well. So they had they have had two really impressive wins. And for me, as a fan of that team, it's been really great, but pleasantly surprising. Um, so – you know, truthfully, as a fan of the team, I would, I'm trying to take my bias out of it, but accounting everything that has mm-hmm. come into place with both of them, I, I think I have to say the Raiders just because of one, who they've played and the factors of, you know, the Monday night to the East Coast early game on Sunday in Pittsburgh. So mm-hmm. either Carolina or the Raiders. So I don't think it's an overreaction to say that the Raiders with their level of defense that they've been playing that has been mm-hmm. so shocking. I mean, you've been harping on it for years that this yeah. defense hasn't been able to figure it out. And it seems like they've really figured out a good formula to lock down Pittsburgh, who just beat Buffalo, who just like stifled Buffalo. And then the Raiders flipped the script on them and was able to dominate them. We haven't really seen that from a Raiders team since 2016. Yeah, thank God, Gus. Thank the Lord for Gus Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> and they were able to lock, like, limit Lamar Jackson's ability to dominate that game. So that's a really good sign for this Raider team. I think this question has to fall for the Rams, what they've been able to do, and the Bucks, what they've been able to do. The Bucks beating a really good – I think we can all see that Dallas is actually a really good team this year. Their defense is playing a lot better, and they still have the offensive firepower to play with anyone. What they that game with the Chargers could have gone either way, but the fact that the Cowboys are in these games where they're not getting blown out like we saw last year, even when Dak was healthy, is such a good sign for them. I think they're a legit team, and they're the leaders in that division, the NFC East, by far. So the way that Tampa was able to get away with a win. 
there. So are, and you, are you saying that you're surprised that the Rams and the Bucks are 2-0? No, no. I think they're the most legit teams okay, okay. at 2-0. So Tampa Bay and the Rams and what the Rams did in Indianapolis and how they dominated Chicago, I think they're just proving what we all thought. They the were. Rams are, yeah, the Rams are really good. Like, so those, those, those two teams, I think no one should be surprised that they're there. I think they're the two leaders really in the NFL. I think they're, they shouldn't be the most consistency. I mean, I, if Kansas City was able to get away with a win against Baltimore in that game, I think they would be up there too, but obviously they didn't. So I think the fact that the Raiders, the Raiders are definitely high up there. If we were to make a power rankings, they'd be in the top five, no doubt. They'd probably yeah, be top, at least, top two. Yeah, I mean it, and and it's it's funny because they're not they're not the second best team or third best team in the NFL. Like they're but they're playing like it for whatever reason right now through two weeks. So, you know, hopefully hopefully that continues. And it's super nice to hear everybody giving Derek some love. Which and the my favorite line yesterday that I heard was. If you're surprised by the way Derek Carr is playing, then you haven't been watching him for six, seven years. And I, truthfully, for somebody who has watched every single snap of pretty much his entire career, it shouldn't surprise anybody that he's playing this well. Just the reason why it looks so much better and is so much more noticeable is because the defense is finally – they can stop a nosebleed now, which they couldn't do before. And, I like, I swear – Every time we played against somebody and there was a heave downfield, like 50 yards, I was like, well, I can't see who he's, whoever this person's throwing to, but I know they're going to be running buck-ass naked <laughs> wide open down the field because our DBs can't cover anything. So now whenever a ball gets thrown, like the DBs, they were, oh man, they were just, they were on everybody like glue on Sunday. And it was like, they were getting deflections and we're getting pressure on the quarterback and, I hope it's not just a two-game fluke. I really and I don't think it is based on how they've been playing because it doesn't seem like they're getting fluke plays on defense in that sense. So, yeah, no. So I, I mean, they've got a they've got a favorable matchup next week if Tua doesn't play at home against the Dolphins, um, and then they have the game against the Chargers, and then they go play uh, Chicago and Denver, and then the Eagles and the Giants. So they've got a slate of games here, which they can do really well. So we'll see. We'll see. With with how well they've been playing, it's really going to come down to how how they play in division. I mean, if they can yeah. split, which they've been able to do, split with Kansas City, mm-hmm. and then how they handle Denver and the Chargers, because those are really going to be the two teams that they're going to contend with in the wild card. Yeah. Getting this, getting this win against, I'm assuming they're going to win against Miami if Tua doesn't play. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a huge because that's another team that might be vying for a wild card. And it's all about these tiebreakers. They have a tiebreaker against Baltimore. They have a tiebreaker against Pittsburgh. Like these mm-hmm. are big time wins that they just got. Um, and you got to be, you got to be ecstatic, man, to be a Raiders fan. Yeah, but please. I- there was a caller that came on uh, an ESPN show. It was Breedy's show yesterday. He was asking for hot takes, and a Raider fan came on and said that the Raiders were going to beat the Bucks in the Super Bowl. And I was like, "Dude, pump the brakes, please!" Hey, please it's a hot take. Pump the brakes. That's not a hot take. <laughs> um, so 
let's be excited as Raider fans. Like genuinely, if you're watching this and you are a Raider fan, be excited because they seem to have turned a corner um, with the one thing that they couldn't fix, which was their defense. So it seems that that has been fixed, but there's, it's still a really long season. It is still a very long season. So we just got to take each game as like, you know, just take it as an individual game and see where they end up. Because let's remember the past two seasons, they started off like six and three, both of the, like the last two seasons and then petered off towards the end of it. So we just got to take it, you know, one game at a time. Yeah. No, no Super Bowl predictions, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I think we should move on to another team that's two yep. now that I think is, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a very big surprise based off of the level of competition that they've played is the Niners. Mm-hmm. As someone that doesn't have any vested interest in the San Francisco 49ers, are you a little worried? Do you think that they're the worst team in the NFC West, even though they're 2-0? They, they might be. They might be. Um, which is not bad. That division is just really good. <laughs> um, I don't think they're better than the Rams. Um, I don't think as of this moment that if they got into a shootout with Arizona, that they have the firepower to do that. Their backfield, it I'm their running back right now. That like they're gonna start pulling people off the street. Yeah, I'm actually I actually have backfield. a uh, they have an open trout at I think twelve today. I think I'm gonna head over with my pads, yeah. just trying to relive the glory days. Yeah, like they have it's and you know it it does kind of stink because you know with I I don't hate the 49ers. I really don't. Um, I joke around that I do, but I, I really, I really don't. So, you know, I'm not wishing that they, I'm not like, as I'm saying this, I'm not going to the worst team. But I know Seattle lost to Tennessee, mm-hmm. but that was a field goal game that came down to the very end. The Rams are, clearly the best team in that division and Arizona Arizona and Seattle are I feel like kind of right next to each other just the 49ers and how many points did they score uh not against the not against Philly but their first game they scored 40 41 against Detroit okay so but that was they also got a pick six so they scored um 34 offensive points I think their offense is the least potent of all of the teams in the NFC in the NFC West. So if they get into shootouts, they're gonna be they're gonna be in trouble. Um, so but is there is team, their that defense, team is built is their defense not the it's gotta be right up there with I was gonna say you gotta Los tell Angeles. me. Yeah you gotta tell me you watch them every day based on what I've based on the scores that I've seen and the stats that I've read they have a good defense and they should based on all the people that they got back. And Nick Bosa looks, I mean, he's not getting the sacks numbers, but he's, I think he's second behind Max Crosby and quarterback pressures. So he's getting there. I mean, this this defensive line is getting pressures. They're just not finishing the job as well as say Arizona did in week one. Um, I think, so this is the the biggest storyline, I think, because they didn't like rack up the points against Philly and Philly. Most people think aren't a very good team, but I think that defense is actually for Philadelphia is going to prove to be one of the better defenses in the league. The way they totally shut down Atlanta and Atlanta has one of the, probably the most weapons with anyone, even though they lost Julio Jones, 
Cal Pitts is looking good. Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage. You still have Matt Ryan. And they were able to put up 28 against Tampa Bay in that defense. So the way that Philly was able to handle them, that game was a dogfight the whole time. And I think people got to realize that that was the script with the game. It was a back and forth, like, defensive battle where it was just gritty to get first downs, moving the chains. They had to grind a couple 90-plus yard drives to get that score and really control that game. I mean, it was up, they were up 17-3 uh, to three in that yeah. game. And the defense was playing so well against, against a guy that's a type where that defense doesn't really play well. A scrambler that's sort of the Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray type. Of course, he doesn't have the accuracy and the arm talent that those two guys have, but that's really a guy that's given the Niners defense troubles over the years, and they were able to handle him and limit that offense's offense's, uh, production. I think it's such a good sign for this team. Sure, you can say they're not going to put up the most amount of points, but looking back on recent years, the games that they've had a lot of success with are those 20 to 17 games where they're able to really rely on that defense, rely on the strength of that team against the Rams, against the Seattle Seahawks, against Arizona to where they're really able to eke out these close wins. And I think Jimmy is actually not like Derek Carr, not proving that like the haters wrong that much, but I think he's really come back to the form of 2019 of when they made that Super Bowl run. I think he is looking like that efficiently. He's not turning the ball over. He's not injured. So those are the two knocks that Jimmy G has. He turns the ball over too much and he gets in and he's not available. He's perfectly healthy. He's not getting hit. This offensive line is playing like the best offensive line in the NFL. They're turning uh, the litany of running backs that they've thrown out there. They're still having success. And I don't know how they're going to have success moving forward with all these guys out, but I think this team is finding a way to win and they're still going to continue to find a way. Sure. Is it not the way that it's flashy? It's, it's uh, people just getting blown away by the numbers. No, but I think it's still going to, it's a formula to have success within this division where Sure, they might give up a couple big plays, but teams are going to have to earn it. These Seattles and the Arizonas and the Rams are going to have to earn their scores. Mm-hmm. And the Niners can keep doing their thing. And if Jimmy G continues, I think he's playing really well early in this year. Mm-hmm. And if it's only up from here, I mean, they haven't got a big contribution from George Kittle yet or Brandon Ayuk. So if they can start integrating these guys more into their offense and continue with Debo playing as the best wide receiver in the NFL so far, I mean, he's putting up the biggest numbers in the NFL. And that's from Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo. So something must be working. Yeah, but it, can you tell Kittle to start playing better? Because I need to Dude, hold my fantasy. <laughs> so this is, this is another part that I think gets really skewed with the Niners. Fantasy football is a part of it. And I think the big overreaction of Twitter and the social medias where – all these plays, all these like highlights can be spread so easily. And that's how people determine what the best teams are. Like when you can see on Twitter or Instagram, oh my gosh, that guy just made a great play. Like that team must like the highlights that Seattle and Arizona and the Rams are putting up must 
skew people's perceptions of like what a good team is. But George Kittle is actually playing phenomenal. Like if you were to pull coaches and look at tapes, they'd be like, well, George Kittle is still one of the best tight ends. The way he is just laying people out and run blocking. Like this dude is still like, he's healthy. He's still at the top of his game. Sure. He's not putting up the numbers that Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey are putting up, but this dude is still playing phenomenal as a tight end. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I was sort of saying that tongue in cheek because he, even though he is one of the best tight ends in the league, he is different from Waller and Kelsey. The fact that those guys are primarily pass catchers mm-hmm. and George Kittle can do that, but he is, but on a team that is so good in the run game, they need a tight end who can help blocking. And I feel like he likes blocking more than he likes catching because Dude, he, he, loves he loves it so much. I don't, I think he would rather run through a linebacker than catch a touchdown. <laughs> You so, see him when he lays out like a DB or a linebacker. The excitement oh, yeah. that he has is so yeah. funny. The genuine excitement on his yeah. face. He's like, Woo-hoo! and it could be like a, a five-yard run. Yeah, but no, he, and, he loves it. And you know his teammates see that, like the coaching staff sees that. And this team, I don't think Kyle, John Lynch, ownership, coaching staff, I don't think they're worried. I don't think they're pressing the panic button about the start. They two and zero. Oh, they're relatively healthy. I mean, they've lost <laughs> DBs and running backs. But other than that, yeah. I mean, they don't have George Kittle out. They don't have Jimmy G out. They don't have wide receivers out. They don't have uh, defensive linemen out, which was the big Knock problem. On Knock on wood. I mean, it sucks that like, Greenlaw's out, but they've been able to weather that storm with um, Al Shair. Uh, Fred Warner, I think, should be getting looks as a defensive player of the year candidate with the job that he's been doing, the where he's just angry. I don't get why middle linebackers don't get more defensive player of the year nods because they're pretty much the quarterback of the defense. Yeah. yeah. Right? So I don't get – it's whatever. But I don't think this coaching staff and front office and this team should be worried about the start that they've had because – Honestly, this in 2019, they were eking out wins against Pittsburgh, Washington, like teams that were not looked to be good, and they were eking out wins. And that's, I mean, you first got to be able to learn how to win before then you can expect to play well against really good teams. Right. Well, there's your 49er doc for the week, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. And I think the, the perception that Jimmy Garoppolo is not playing well I think is so overblown. Well, he's a bad quarterback, so I'm kidding. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot. My bad. I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, what do we got next? I think we got to talk about from a bad quarterback, a bad quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. I think we got to talk about the GOAT, man. Is this – Yeah. This guy might play till he's 50. So, so I was thinking about this because – and, of course, we're talking about Tom Brady, Tampa yeah. Bay Buccaneers, and he is off to one of the best starts of his career at age 44. Right. So I think I think the conversation about Tom Brady always sounds exactly the same in terms of, 
you know, he's 44 years old. He's the greatest of all time. He's going to play till he's 50, all this other stuff. The way there's nothing new that Sam and I can add to this conversation that hasn't already been said about Tom Brady. So here's what I will say that I hope sounds new. The best compliment that you can give Tom Brady is just using his name. Because when you say Tom Brady, you ought to, you know if you watch the NFL what the name Tom Brady means. It means seven Super Bowls. It means the greatest of all time. It means maybe the, one of the greatest. I mean, he's in the argument. He's in the argument for the greatest pure competitor of all time. In all except sports. exceptionally smart, extremely successful. All you need to say is Tom Brady. That that's the best compliment you can give him. Is just calling him what he is, Tom and- Brady. There's nothing he can do at this point that will surprise me. He can play for five more years and win two Super Bowls. I will say, okay, he's Tom Brady. What do you, what? It shouldn't come as a surprise at this point to anybody. Yeah, I mean, the reason I pose this question is the way he's making it look so easy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's looking a little effortless of how well and how like he's just figuring out defenses and playing with sure. His arm strength is a little limited compared to earlier in his career. It doesn't really look like it, but even if there is physical limitations at his current age, he's found a way to really adapt his game and make it not seem like there's any weaknesses right now. No, the only concern about Tampa is their defense right now, which is crazy to say because this was the defense that made Patrick Mahomes run around 500 yards in the backfield mm-hmm. last year during the Super Bowl. But they gave up 29 points to the Cowboys, which you know is a good team. But they mm-hmm. gave up 25 points to Atlanta, the team that Philly just held to like six points last week. I know they all returned all 22 starters, but – they have some injuries in the defense. Like they're they DBs. have some injuries right now, yeah, on the uh, on the defensive side of the ball, which is a little bit concerning. Hopefully, they get healthy later on down the road um, for their sake, not for the league's sake, <laughs> but for their sake. Um, and so, I really don't. I really don't think they've brought that level of like the way they were playing in the playoffs was just a higher level than they had played during the regular oh, season. Yeah, they, so I they, feel like they, they hit their feet. that defense has another gear to where they can bring yeah. it, and they just haven't brought it yet. So I feel like we can't even judge this team right now. We can only judge the play. Tom is making Gronk look like the best tight end in the league right now. Well, like I said, at this point, there's nothing that Brady can do that I that should surprise anybody at this point. It, they really shouldn't. If he, if he throws for 55 mm-hmm. touchdowns, then he throws for 55 touchdowns and we all just sit back and go, well, what else, what else do you want us to say about him? Like there's, there's Mm -hmm. literally nothing, there's nothing else to say. He's done everything. He's still going to continue to do more things, even though he's done everything. So at this point, if you're surprised by what Tom Brady is doing, then you're, you're just fooling yourself because it, it, it shouldn't be that big of a surprise. (laughs) What's going to be a surprise is if he ever declines, that will be the surprise. And it's not going to be this falling off a cliff. I don't think so. Either. Like, him and – his and LeBron's career 
trajectories have followed like pretty much the same level where they've both gone really, really, really high to the highest peaks the, their sports have ever seen. And where people think that because of age, they're going to steeply decline in numbers. They've both, I mean, Tom might be even getting a little higher. Like his might be going peak down up a little bit, like that sort of yeah. thing. But I feel like they both have got reached an apex in their careers and they've just gone just steeply, just like gradually a little bit down, but not this boom. But then they go up. <laughs> like yeah. they've both been able to adapt where there's limits because of say health, because of physical abilities. They've been able to mask that within their games and really adapt it. And I think that's the biggest compliment you can give an athlete is their ability to overcome adversity and overcome weaknesses and really be great like Tom is being all-time great the guy just won Super Bowl MVP like and he's playing better than he did last year in the regular season yep so from one guy and we've been we've been a little too positive so far Jason and that's not like us because there is there are teams there are teams that aren't playing well and one team that I think and a particularly one player that I think that have shocked people with his start is Josh Allen, the guy that was supposed to light up this league. And it's only two games, but he hasn't played really particularly well. And defenses have kind of limited his ability to have success in this league so far. What do you think about Josh Allen's struggles? I don't necessarily think that – now, yesterday was a little bit different because they were playing against Miami and they were – I mean, Miami was dealing with their own problems yesterday. <laughs> uh, they had something uh, else on their mind. They had something yeah, else they were, they, they were dealing with their own problems. But if we go back to – and I said yesterday. It's not yesterday. It was uh, Sunday. It's all good. So I think the thing with the Buffalo Bills right now is – when it comes to Josh Allen and that offense, they are – now, it's tough because these first two games that they play, they've actually rushed the ball fairly well. Mm-hmm. But make no mistake, they're a pass-first team. They are an air-raid team. They don't want to have to rely on the run game to win them games. They – they want Josh Allen. They want Stephon Diggs. They want Cole Beasley. They want that offense to win them uh, games through the air. So I think the fact that they don't have a – there's just a lot on Josh Allen to be perfect because if he's not perfect, they're now going to rely on a okay run game. And I say that they've rushed for over 100 yards the past it's below, two It's games. below average. Yeah, they've – they rush for over 100 yards collectively as a team the past two games, but they don't have – I know Singletary's there, but they don't have a dominant running back to win them games. Well, they don't even have a scheme that really allows for dominant running. Like, they get – I think they probably average the lowest – one of the lowest uh, yards per carry over well, the last couple of years. Devin, Devin Singletary, who is their number one running back, only mm-hmm. – Rush only had 13 carries against the Dolphins. So, and I'll look back at their other game as well against Pittsburgh. 
Yeah, he had 11 carries. So and Josh Allen had nine. <laughs> the, and then the next the next two guys on the list had four and one. So I really think that it is a product of the Buffalo Bills being so one dimensional that you really don't necessarily have to you don't have to necessarily play the run. You just have to play Josh Allen. And if you can limit Josh Allen, then now you're limiting the Bills as a whole. So what I would say is I think Buffalo sort of mirrors Pittsburgh's offense, but has a lot more explosiveness to where they just run. It's it's almost like they don't design to have an effective running game. It's almost like they just hand it off for the sake of keeping the defense honest. It's not like to get, it's not with a purpose. It almost seems like to run the ball. It's almost just to, Hey, let's give Josh a break for this throw, this snap right here. Let's just hand it off. It, it doesn't seem like it's designed to, get a lot of effectiveness, effectiveness out of the run game. And I feel like that's kind of what Pittsburgh was last year to where they just ran for the – so when there was that big uproar of, Pittsburgh, you're not running the ball enough, yada, yada, yada. But it wasn't, it wasn't the amount of how much they were running. It was more of how it was designed and how they were going about it. And I feel like that's still with the same with Buffalo. And I think that puts a lot of pressure on Josh Allen for him to be the catalyst – and he's good enough to win them a lot of games this year. Don't worry about that. But I feel like the pressure of this team being with the Chiefs as one of the best teams in the, in the NFL, and especially in the AFC, and him really being the overwhelming frontrunner to win an MVP this year may have gotten to, I, I doubt that's what's happening. It's definitely probably just a game-to-game uh, matchups problem to where – Pittsburgh's defensive line just absolutely shut down Buffalo and whatever they're going to do. And it made it so hard for them to move the ball. And against Miami, they blew, blew him out so much that maybe he didn't, he wasn't allowed to get the amount of production that really people, a lot of people were looking for, but these are going to be games where it should have been, the script should have been like, Oh my gosh, like Josh Allen is putting up numbers like Kyler Murray, like, Russell Wilson, like Derek Carr, like Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, like these, those quarterbacks that are having success. It's crazy to think that Josh Allen isn't up there with them. No, I agree. I agree. So yeah, I I think it just boils down to, they need a better run game because they're just, they're just too one dimensional. I mean, plain and simple. Plain and simple. Uh, Shifting a little bit. The talks this this offseason were this 2020 rookie QB class might be one of the best of all time with mm-hmm. five guys coming in with legitimate potential to all of them to be great in their own ways. Through two games of, of a rookie season, and this is total maybe overreaction, but hey, we're sports sports talk shows. <laughs> we, got, we live in week to week overreactions. So pardon us if you want to switch it off because like these guys are stupid. What are they talking about? You'd probably have to not listen to any sports talk show at that point if you can't listen to overreactions and yeah, present moment of bias. So yeah. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, all five of these guys sort of having a little struggles early in this 
this NFL season. I think with Mac Jones being the one that's had the most success by far and really proving a lot. And he was the one that was picked last out of all five of these guys. Justin Fields getting thrown into the game on Sunday because of Andy Dalton's injury showed maybe a lot of limitations to his game. Uh, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson are just going through the struggles of being on a bad team and really starting and getting the brunt. I mean, they are, they're taking a toll. So what do you think is, was this QB class maybe a little bit overhyped? I'm going to say no. And the reason why is because I think what we're seeing is exactly what you said. I think we're seeing a product of their environments right now. It Mac Jones fell to the Patriots, which was ironically probably the perfect place for him to end up in terms of the style of offense that New England runs and the way that they're they're so built on timing and the whole we're not going to make a mistake. So the only reason why you guys are going to the only reason why we're going to win, well, one of the reasons why we're going to win is because we're going to ha- allow you to make the mistake and then we'll capitalize on that. We're going to play mistake-free football and that's how we'll beat you. And that's who Mac Jones is. Plus, they've had a really good run game, actually, with James White and Damian Harris. That has been a nice, I'm sure, surprise for them as well. The Patriots have no problem running running the ball 30, 40 times a game if they want to. Mm-hmm. They They – I mean, that's that's kind of how they're built in that sense. And well, then, they have one of the best offensive lines in football, so. Right. So, I, like I said, I think what we're seeing more than anything else is a product of everybody's environment. The Jets are really bad. The Jaguars are really bad. The Bears have a good defense and have some weapons on offense, but their offensive line is just atrocious. Um, and the Jaguars are terrible. I think I already said that. And the Train Lance hasn't played yet, well, so. <laughs> Even if you've even if you said it, it's warrant saying twice. The right, Jaguars yeah. are just terrible from top to bottom. They're just bad. Yeah. So I don't think it's necessarily fair to judge them right now because they're just they have come into horrible situations. Um, especially Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, with one a poor run, poorly run organization, and the fact that he has a coach who, first of all, is in his first time as an NFL coach, but two people are saying that just he he's wasn't – he had no idea what he was taking on. And it'll be interesting to see if Urban stays throughout the entire season mm-hmm. or into next season. So I wouldn't necessarily put it on these guys. I would say that it's really been a product of their of their environment so far. And we'll see – We'll see how well they do. And Justin Fields, I don't think yes, I don't think Sunday was a good indication of who he is. It was kind of a, a bang bang situation where he got thrown into the game. So with time to prepare, I think he'll play better. So I think we got to give them. I think we got to give one them the benefit of the doubt, but two just have the have the organizations need to realize that if they that right now they're with these new quarterbacks, what they cannot do is what they're doing right now, which is just. Having their all of these quarterbacks are under siege right now. All of their offensive lines are terrible. All of them. The Jets' offensive line is not good. They've got some good pieces, but they haven't been playing well. Trevor Lawrence is under siege all game, and so is Justin Fields. So, you know, 
they have to address areas around the quarterback in order for the quarterback to start playing well, i.e. look at Sam Darnold. <laughs> yeah, I think the reason this question for me comes up is how well r- rookie quarterbacks played last season with Joe Burrow, Burrow and, Justin yeah. Herbert, and Tua. I mean, Tua played the worst out of the three, and he went, what, eight and three as a starter or something like that? But here's, but here's the thing. And he the was on a, they were, were a good all, team. They were all three on it. Well, two of them were on good teams. I feel yeah. like you got to look at Joe Burrow in Cincinnati and really compare his season with Trevor Lawrence. And Joe played six games, eight games, something like that. He definitely got hurt in the middle of the year. But um, and Trevor's played two. I really want to hone in on that comparison, the two number one picks. Because Joe was able to, with the worst offensive line in the NFL, granted he had weapons, but they didn't have – because of that offensive line, he was getting sacked the most out of any quarterback. He was uh, didn't have a reliable run game. Like, it was all on him. And he was able to play so well and it overcome that, that where it was like, holy cow, like, this guy is legit. Like, Joe Burrow is legit. And I feel like that's yeah. what we have. These quarterbacks, Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence, have failed to do because everyone knows that they're playing on bad teams. But it's if they're able to play, like put up 300 yards and limit the turnovers and really find success with limited offenses, that goes and shows more of their capabilities and what we should see when they do get an adequate supporting cast. And we just haven't been able to see that from Trevor Lawrence, who's supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks of all time. That's how he was graded out to be. The the prospect, yeah. Which is so unfair to him. Yeah. And I feel like that's why it's kind of, for me at least, I, I came up with this question. Jason didn't have any, Jason didn't have any say in it, but it seems like he's played pretty underwhelming. So far. So far. And his struggles, so I think we were really unexpected this year. And I, I feel like if um, I was getting a call, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like if, and maybe it is because of the success of quarterbacks last year, and it's so unfair to judge these guys, but I feel like we should be able to see glimpses of where Trevor Lawrence is able to overcome his bad support cast. But maybe it's so bad that Urban Meyer isn't good. Like this this franchise is just rotted to the core, and it's it wasn't even that bad in Cincinnati last year. To where, like, maybe he just has no choice in the matter. Yeah, but I mean, it's, I mean, rookie seasons are so hard to judge. I mean, because, yeah, I mean, you look at somebody who had one of the most famously bad rookie quarterback seasons. You look at Peyton Manning. I mean, I've got his stats right here. He was 56% uh, completion, 3,739 yards, 26 touchdowns, 28 interceptions. Mm-hmm. And, his Q, and his quarterback rating was only 71. Do you have um do you have Lawrence and Wilson stats? Um not not their not yet, but I can I can give you their their game by game stats. Um, so I feel like that crutch is used so often, the Peyton Manning rookie. Like, oh don't worry, everyone. Like Peyton Manning well, didn't play well as a rookie. Like Eli Manning didn't play well as a rookie. Like you can pull up those instances. Yes. But that is one how many more evidence do we have of high level quarterbacks not playing well and continuing to not for play sure. well? 
For like, sure, there was but... only a couple outliers where there's a guy that didn't play well in his rookie year and then had a, like lived up to expectations. There is way more guys that haven't lived up to those expectations. Yes, but I guess the point that I'm trying to make is is that the first season isn't always going to be the end all be all with these guys. And I think with Lawrence being clearly the worst team in the league right now, that it would be hard for a lot of guys to overcome that situation and to ask Mm -hmm. a rookie quarterback to do that. I wouldn't put any of Jacksonville's struggles on Trevor Lawrence right now. I, you got to give him a year or two and then, and then we'll make the decision obviously after that, but but I feel like he's got to show glimpses of of success, and I feel like that hasn't really come in. in well, the first it's only two been games. two games. I, dude, I we addressed it at the beginning, <laughs> but it's our job to overreact to just what we've seen so far. True. And from that, it's been two weeks. Who is right now your front runner for NFL MVP after two weeks? of the year yikes um so there's a lot a of good people, names out there yeah was like, there are a couple people who are who are in the conversation for that um as shocking as it might be i gotta give my boy some love i think you know, think you throw Derek in that conversation he is definitely at least in talks for it right now um kyler murray i would say is probably the front runner uh at the moment interesting um, okay I, I could I could see Kyler Murray definitely because I think with Brady I know you could probably say Brady would be the front runner, but I wouldn't be surprised if Brady gets the same treatment that LeBron gets with the well we can give it to him every year kind of thing so let's give it to somebody else maybe he maybe he if Brady keeps this ridiculous streak that he's on with touchdown passes and the Bucks go like sixteen and one or fifteen and two okay then yeah probably but Kyler's playing really well right now so gotta throw him in there. Stafford is playing really well right now, too. Got to throw him there. Um, like I said, Derek is probably in talk for that as well. You know, and if Lamar can drag this team to the playoffs with, because I, he's going to get, he's going to get a, a thousand rushing yards. I don't think there's any question that he gets a thousand. So he'll hit that. Depending on how many passing yards he gets and how well the Ravens do. He could win it again, maybe. Mahomes is always in the conversation. Um, so I think those are your guys right now who may be in talks for it. I wouldn't be surprised. We'll see how the Chargers do. We'll see how the Chargers do. We'll see how Herbert um, plays. I know he had a bit of a rough game. Some people were saying he was a dark horse candidate for maybe uh, an MVP this season. We'll see. Um, but I think your front runner right now is Kyler Murray trailed closely behind by Derek um, Brady and Stafford probably. And don't discount Christian McCaffrey. That dude is literally the entire Carolina offense. He is their best receiver. He's their best running back. And I know it's a quarterback award, but got to give him some credit because that dude is just ridiculous. Big time. Big time. I think, um, it just like you said, it's it comes down to I think Derek is the front runner. I think Derek's is front runner, okay. With I mean, if you were to poll people, and we're talking about NFL analysts, if you were to poll them before the year and 
tell them that he was going to go, he was going to lead this team, be the driving force for this team in this offense. Like this offense goes totally through him. If he has success, this offense has success. If he doesn't, then they don't. Uh, He's got the keys to this car and he is driving it to a first place where they have shocked the world, I think, in beating a good Baltimore team. Well, a team that most people thought were better than the Raiders and beating Pittsburgh yeah. in the way that they did and, and how well Pittsburgh played in week one. I think it's got to be him with how he has turned around this team in a year. Um, and I know you say that you shouldn't be surprised by this, Derek Carr, because he's been playing well. But I don't think he's played this well. Like, I think he has brought his game to a different level. Yes, he played well. Yeah. He played at a Pro Bowl level. But I think, he, honestly, he is playing at an MVP level. And I think he's even playing better than he did in 2016 when he was in the MVP conversation. Yeah, he was in the MVP conversation for a long time in 2016. And he's been yeah. at a Pro Bowl. Yeah, he's he has been at a Pro Bowl level ever since. But there is there does seem to be something a little bit different about the way he's in control of this offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said it last year on – it's on record and I said it on repeat pretty much every week that the two things that needed to happen for the Raiders to be to be good and they have both happened this season and they played really well so that tells you what I know about my team okay the two things were one they needed a defense well it appears that they've gotten and then the other thing that they've that I said was in order and my dad was was he and I really talked about this for a very long time and I got to give him credit uh, for this because he was the one who sort of verbalized it for the first time. Um, at least I hadn't heard anybody say this about the Raiders is that in order for the Raiders to also take that next step, Derek had to be the reason that they were winning games. Like there were, there's a difference between Derek not being the reason that they lose, but being the reason that they win. Now he has had the most game when he drives out of like any quarterback over the, over the past, like five, six years. So I understand that that stat might skewed a little bit as well but there is a difference between not being the reason your team loses and then being the legit reason that your team wins and right now he is the reason that they are winning their defense is the other 50 percent of that conversation as well um but yeah it was those two things they needed a defense and Derek needed to go win them football games like I said the game winning drives I understand that that makes you go, well, hasn't he been doing that? Well, yes, he has, but there's a bit of a difference. Um, and it's hard to verbalize. If you watch the team, like I said, you'll, you know what I mean. But, um, yeah, no, he he has been playing really well. The reason why I say Kyler is because I think he's going to end up getting those rushing yards that Derek isn't going to get. Um, but in terms of the perception of the team, yeah, maybe the narrative plays more into this um, than than anything else because – there, there is something to be said about the story of the team and what they were expected to do. Um, and the Raiders weren't expected to do jack squat this year. So, so I, I'm cool, I'm cool yes. with you guys. There was a lot of people that thought the Raiders were going to be the worst team in their division. So the reason I put Derek above, I think Tom is a close second with what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I wouldn't put Stafford up there, he's playing phenomenal but I feel like they're also getting a lot like big time contributions from Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, like Aaron, Aaron Donald, I think 
and I haven't really looked at his numbers, but I feel like the contribution that he's putting up, at least so far, could also put him in a, in a little bit of an MVP conversation. Like he is going to be defensive player of the year, maybe again, uh, if they just if voters decide that there is no fatigue, like he could honestly win defensive player of the year again. Um, yeah. So I feel like that kind of diminishes Stafford's, and he's not Stafford's not putting up the crazy numbers that Derek is and uh, Kyler is and Russell is and Tom is. So I feel like that kind of diminishes him in that conversation. Um, I put Tom at second with what he's doing. Uh, touchdown numbers the yards isn't crazy to what these other guys are putting up but the efficiency that he is just putting the ball in the end zone is nuts uh kyler and russell are going to put up crazy numbers but yeah kyler i think he's going to be getting the rushing touchdowns like the total touchdowns he's probably going to lead the league in for sure Mm -hmm. But there's that level of still inexperience to where he is making mistakes, even in game in the game so far. Like he's still throwing, he's still turning the ball over. He's still yeah, like throwing interceptions, fumbling. And that game against Minnesota, I think Minnesota actually played a lot better than even I thought they would play. Uh, the way that they were able to move the ball on Arizona's defense, which I think from week one, we thought Arizona's defense was going to be phenomenal, but they've shown that they have limitations in their game and openings that a lot of teams can exploit. Uh, I think the fact that they almost lost that game and it was kind of out of their hands because it was just a missed field goal that -hmm. allowed them to get away with that win. I think that story will continue throughout the year where Arizona is going to lose some games against teams they probably shouldn't and that's going to hurt kyler murray's claim that was your week week two recap of the nfl season we did a little bit different format right there instead of going through each games and sort of picking storylines we sort of just had a couple questions but then we you know talked about it so hopefully you guys liked that format it felt a little more focused which is what we were going for so let's move into picks last week sam won so his percentage is a little Again. bit higher than mine. Uh, we're both in the green, uh, but he is up two zero on the weeks in terms of the picks. So we'll head down this list just like we always do. We'll try to get through it as quickly as we can. Let's head to the Panthers and the Texans Thursday night game. Sam has already made his picks, so I like doing it uh, in the moment. So somebody here cheated, but that's okay. <laughs> Who you got? Well, Who you got? It, truthfully, to peel the curtain back a little bit i had to because i have to make that graphic what you guys saw last so i wanted to start that earlier because honestly i thought it would be easier to move the different bubbles things that i have i thought it'd be so much easier than how it did but it actually took me a really long time (laughs) to get them so i was like i should honestly just redo this thing and it might have taken less time so in the thursday night game i think carolina gets it done i think this game it's, and I think that's only because of a Tyrod Taylor injury. I think this game would have been a lot more interesting if Tyrod Taylor was in. I do. I agree too. So I'd take the, the Panthers as well. Let me actually, let me make my pick first. So I'm not influenced by the jury's um, picks on this one because you've already made it. So, well, and I'm right most of the time. So like you would just follow me because Okay. What I think it says, um, I think it says about almost 60 or 69%, I think in my corner. So 
you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of killing. I went 14 of 16 last week, so that's pretty dang good. Go to Vegas. Um, so I'll take the the next game, uh, early game on Sunday. I'll take the Chiefs over the Chargers in uh, what I think is going to be a close game, uh, but I'll take the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm going to take the Chiefs as well in Arrowhead. Um, yeah, I think that's. I mean, <laughs> the Chiefs yeah. are playing at it. They're playing as one of the best teams in the NFL right now. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. I'll take the next game would be the Cardinals and the Jaguars. I'll take the Cardinals over the Jags. Same. I don't think there's much debate in that one. Uh, we'll go Browns at the, I'm sorry, the Bears at the Browns. So I will take the Browns at home against the Bears and Justin Fields. Same. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Fields, looks, Fields looks a little better yeah. in this game with a week of preparation and their coaching staff able to game plan around Fields. That would be nice to see. Mm-hmm. Um, next one will be the Bills at home against Washington. I'll take Buffalo over Washington at home. Yeah, I think this game might actually be closer than people think uh, because Washington's playing well and their offense is playing really well. But I think Buffalo's defensive line and their ability to get pressure and neutralize the running game of Washington really bodes well. And I think Washington's defense hasn't played to the level that they were anticipated to do. I mean, they haven't been able to generate as much pressure as I think people thought they were going to be able to do. So I think Josh Allen can have success in this game. I think Buffalo wins at home. Could be a bit of a shootout. I wouldn't be surprised if that game is actually a higher scoring game, especially with Washington's defense not playing, like you said, as well. So now we have the Colts against the Titans. This could be an interesting game depending on the health of Carson Wentz. I might miss the game versus the Titans. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the report right now. Yeah. Tennessee's coming off of a big win against Seattle. I say they carry that momentum at home and they beat the Colts with just, I can't pick the Colts with the uncertainty of Carson Wentz. Yeah. I think it's, it's a real shame that Carson has double ankle sprints. I've never heard of that. <laughs> Can I have two, both his ankles spraining on one play? Uh, it's just so unlucky for the guy. You wish Carson Wentz could have a full season without any injuries. Um, mm-hmm. And Air- Indianapolis, despite the 0-2 start, has actually played really well. It's just the fact that they had they had to play Seattle and the Rams to open up the year, which is no fault of their own. But the fact that Carson is going to be – if he does play, he's going to be limited – which hurts his ability to lead this offense. So I think Tennessee gets this win at home. Yeah. All right. So then we got the Patriots at home against the Saints. Saints coming mm-hmm. off of just getting their butt kicked and the Patriots get a win over the Jets. So I'm, I'm actually, <laughs> I'm going to take the Patriots at home over the Saints. I think the Saints struggles continue. I think, the Patriots, like I said, I said at the beginning of the year, the Patriots have a very good defense. They have a very good defense. They're going to play mm-hmm. mistake-free football, which is not who Jameis Winston has been historically. I'm not wishing that upon him. I said at the beginning of this, I hope he has a good season. But I think Bill Belichick's going to know that, take full advantage of that. And I think the Patriots beat the Saints at home. Yeah, I think this game is this game is really interesting. This I think this game was probably the hardest game for me to pick. I think I'm just looking at the picks that I have. This and the uh, Bucks Rams game that we're going to talk about later, mm-hmm. I think were the hardest yeah. games 
for me to pick uh, because I don't know what these both these teams are. You have New Orleans playing on two extremes. Week one, they absolutely dominated a really good Green Bay Packers team. And then against Carolina, looked like one of the worst teams in the NFL. So what do I take from that? I have no idea. New England didn't look good against Miami. They barely lost, yes, but their offense still only put up 16 points. And then they beat the Jets, which I don't know what to take from that. So I don't really know what these teams are. I'm taking New England at home because I feel like Bill Belichick is more likely to figure out and limit the Saints offense than the Saints offense is going to be able to exploit the Patriots defense. Agreed. Um, so the next one, we got the battle of the two 0-2 teams, the Giants versus the Falcons. This is an interesting game because I am not 100% sure. I don't know what the right thing to do with this one is yeah. going to be because Atlanta on one oh, – that is weird. That is a weird weird game to pick. Um <clears throat> The Giants are favored. Oh, are they? Favored. Because they're at home. I, yeah. yeah, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, <clears throat> they're favored by, um, say, three and a half. Um, golly, that is tough. Yeah. They're both bad. They're both mm-hmm. bad teams. And the Falcons, I mean, the Falcons were in it with the Bucks for a while. But the Giants just played Washington really tough. Yeah. But what is the likelihood that Daniel James plays well two games in a row? I don't know. But Atlanta also probably has the worst defense in the league. Yeah. So <laughs> that plays into that plays into his favor. Um uh, I don't this is rough. This, so is, a, this is a rough game to pick. I'm taking the Giants at home. Okay. Um but the Giants lost to Denver which I did not see coming. So I could totally see Atlanta handling the Giants. But I'm going to right. take the Giants at home. I think that's the safer pick. Looking looking at the games right here, I think there's going to be a lot of games that were the same on. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to need some diversity somewhere. Now, I was I took I took the Bengals last week uh, as my we need diversity pick. Um, even though, I, but so I'll do it again this week, which is playing into your favor. Um, what well, do you want me to? I can, I can be a gentleman. No, no, no. I'll to no, because I don't necessarily, because I don't think it's that outlandish to pick Atlanta to win, you know? It's two uh, bad teams. Yeah. So I, I think it'll go, I mean, it could go either way. So the problem is, is that the Giants on paper should have a better defense than they do. Um, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take it, I'll take Atlanta. Um, and then the next game, I'll take the Steelers over the Bengals. Yeah. I don't think we have any argument there. I don't think we're going to have any argument. The Ravens over the Lions. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the Broncos over the Jets. Uh, give me the Raiders at home versus Miami. Yeah, with two out. I think that game yeah. would have been really interesting if two that was would, Yeah, that would, have been, that would have been a fun game. Um, and it still could be. I mean, who knows? Who Who's, knows? Who's to his backup? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. Did he had somebody come in for him uh, in that game? I believe. Oh, Brissett. 
Toby Brissett. That's right. Oh, that's actually not the worst backup, but I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's not enough. Yeah, I'll take the Raiders at home versus the Dolphins. Uh, Bucks Rams. How is this not the primetime game? Uh, uh, whoa, hey, whoa. You got two of the most storied franchises in the NFL going against each other. Great defense versus one of the best players in the NFL. I, yeah. Rating league MVP Sunday night. I don't know about that. Come on. So the Bucks, like I said, the Bucks have had struggles on, on defense. And the Rams are a fantastic offensive team. The Rams have a very good defense. The Bucks Rams have a great home. offense. The Rams are at home. Who's favored um, in this game? Do you have that? Let's see. Let's see. Um, That'd be very. It's got to be Rams favored at home. I let me let me double check that because that is actually a good question. Um, let's see. The. Ooh. It looks like the Los Angeles Rams are close favorites against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It says the contest has a point total set for 54.5. It says the Rams open as a slim favorite over the Buccaneers in week three. So, like, this is a pick game, really. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, golly. That, this is tough. I'll take the Rams at home. I'll take Perfect. the Rams at home versus the Bucks. Perfect. Um, not 100% Son. not 100% sure. Um but I guess if I'm just being cuz I I feel like the Bucks might it's tough. It's tough cuz I really think the Rams are I said it uh, at the beginning of the season. I think the if there's going to be a team that contends with the Buccaneers for the Super Bowl it's going to be the Rams. So mm-hmm. I'm going to stick with my pick and and I'm gonna, I'm going to be I'm going to be a man of my word in that I'm going to take the Rams over the Bucks. I'm taking that. I'm going to hope that they exploit the uh, the defense of the of the Buccaneers and their injuries. Mm-hmm. So I'll take Seattle on the road against the Vikings. Yeah. So we have the Packers versus the 49ers. That's another good game as well. Uh, um, but apparently not worthy of prime time. I know. I know who you're gonna. I know who you're gonna pick. You picked the 49ers for sure. Um, let me ask you. Did you pick the Cowboys over the Eagles? Okay. So this is an interesting, this is an interesting pick. Cause I, I think I may have actually gone with the, the 49ers. Uh, oh, do tell. Yeah. At, at home. And I know that. We are the Niners at home. The Niners are at home. Oh, I wrote that wrong on my. On my the time. Niners are at home. So I know that Green Bay just beat Detroit. And Rodgers did play well. He was 22 of 27, 255 yards, four touchdowns. Aaron Jones went off, um, which was really nice for fantasy because um, my team scored like 12 points. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Aaron Jones by himself almost scored the amount of points that my entire team did last He did. He was only four, 14 <laughs> points off. Yeah, that was just ridiculous. Um, so I might have actually gone with the 49ers to win this game because the 49ers have historically played the Packers um, very well. Um, I think this is going to – it's going to be a close game. It's not going to be like the blowouts that we saw the Niners I don't, do I don't in think it will. 2019. Yeah, I don't think it will either. Here's the thing. If I pick the 49ers, I don't know what game we'd flip on. Like, uh, the only one that'd that I can three. think of That would be three, though. No, because I have the Bucks and the Rams. You have Atlanta and, 
and New York. Right. I know. So what I'm, but I'm saying if I pick the 49ers, then we are only different oh. on two games. Oh, that's um, not, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so I don't know where we'd flip because I feel like most of these games seem fairly fairly even. So in that sense, I'm not going to make you flip on the 49ers. So I'll take the Packers in that game. Oh, that's just so nice um, of you. So, you know, I understand. So my, I may end up losing this week, um, but if I do, then know that I was thinking the 49ers. How, how about, so, how about this? Oh, no, that won't work. No, oh, we'll, stay. We'll, well, stay. no we'll stay. I've got Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones, my fantasy team. I need them to play well. So I'll be rooting for them. So, <laughs> so what you could do is you could pick the giants who you wanted, you kind of wanted to pick anyway, and you could pick the Niners and then we, it just comes down to Tampa Bay versus the Rams. Why would I pick the Giants? You already picked them. Are you saying you, you flip? No, no, you wanted to. So then it would just come down to one game. Oh, just come down to one game. Because it's not, it's technically not fair if we're keeping count of our percentages, right? But mm-hmm. we have to, we're forced to flip due to the competition between each other each week. Because then that number isn't actually a true representation of our accuracy. Because you're forced to flip from a team that you, like, say, oh, I really want to pick Tampa Bay. Like, I think Tampa Bay is going to win. But because we're competing, then you would have to choose the Rams, and then the Rams end up losing. And it's like, well, I I thought they were going to lose anyway. Well, that's true. Because then that would take into account that whole Bengals flip for me last week. But that's okay. I'll I'll stick with that one. Um, You were so confident in the Bengals. I had to. I had to talk myself into it. Oh, my. So, controversy. The, oh, you look. Roll the tape. Roll the tape. That was. A, I that won was, fair in square last. I beat you three. Roll the tape. Oh. I flipped last week. I flipped last week. Three. Oh. Okay, fine. Then it's just going to come down to the. Uh, it's just going to come down to the boxing ramps. That's, that's, that's our fun. one game. That's the one game that we differ on. I bet you win this so, week. That's the only way you win is if it comes down to one game. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, that's so, good for me. All right. So that will do it for episode 102 of Nothing to Say, the fans podcast slash show. <laughs> so slash thank you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening as always. Thank you so much for watching as always. We really hope you're enjoying the YouTube channel. We've got ideas coming up. We're going to try to work in our guests again and figure out a way to, to get them on the show on the zoom. So we really got to start uh, talking about college football because it's getting crazy. Yeah. College football, yeah. Going yeah. On, so, so we're, we're going to try to bring in our college football guy who is really, really good. Um, so have a fantastic week. We hope you enjoyed all the football and we will see you all next week after week three, when the Raiders uh, hopefully are three, no, and uh, hopefully the Niners are three, no too. We'll see. Cause you know, we both picked them. So next week we could have both of our teams be a three, no, and that would just be the best start to the year. So That'd be so cool. Yeah, knock on hardwood for that. So have a wonderful weekend. Have a wonderful weekend. We will see you all after week three.